station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, movie princess, <laughs> Melissa Kersher. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi. And uh, today we have somebody, and this was very difficult. We found somebody who has not seen The Princess Bride. It is Megan Aline. Hel- Hello, Megan. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. We're going to say you're our movie mm, pit of despair. What? Uh, well, I don't know. I what? Don't know. This is a hard one to. I mean, because it's she doesn't know the movie. Well, I know, but so still, we feel bad I about. Mean, we feel I bad mean, for her. Uh, mm, what do you think it should be? Albino? Maybe albino. Albino. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I'm seeing it now. You uh, you will. You, yeah, you will. will. So what we like to right. do, uh, because you have never seen the movie before, uh, what we do is the person who has never seen the movie before needs to tell us and our listening audience what you know about the Princess Bride. So what do you know about The Princess Bride? I know that Fred Savage is in it. Okay. Ooh, okay. And I think I know that it's I am Nigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. Okay. If not, then I'm missing out on another great movie Okay. that I will need to watch. <laughs> and that's about all I know. That's all you know. That is. Now, how do you just not watch a lot of movies? How is it that you never, never watched The Princess Bride? I am I'm assuming it just wasn't my style. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll find out in a couple minutes. <laughs> um, and you know, everyone everyone I've talked to is like, "Wow, you haven't." Even my own husband was like, "No, you've seen it." And I was like, "No, I haven't." He's like, "If I knew this, I would have corrected this." <laughs> He's like, "I swear you've seen it." And I was like, "No." So and now, I and now he doesn't get to correct it. Now you get to watch it without it. Now he's really sad. Yeah, that yeah. he didn't get to do it. You should have just um, pulled him along. Yeah, it would have been fun. Yeah, but then a three-year-old would have came too. Oh, yeah. that's tough. Yeah, I've been around three-year-olds. That's probably just as yeah. well. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm not really sure why I haven't. Okay. But. Well, it, it's probably one of those things that you know, if you missed it on the original one, run where it took the world by storm. It probably it's it's like one of those things everybody then assumes you've seen it and right. then they don't take it upon yeah. themselves to force you to watch. Everyone it. talks to me like I've seen it. And yeah, I just kind of nod. Yeah, I don't want to make any assumptions, but looking at you, I'm guessing you were either extremely young or perhaps not even born when the movie came out. Uh, 1987. Oh yeah, I was I was born by okay. then. Okay, okay, and not very old, but I was okay. born. Right. So, okay. very so you may you may have been like below target audience for the I movie was or something. Five. Okay, One yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> little young. So little that's young. probably part of it. <laughs> um, and then you know, then you kind of kind of run into that not watching it. But I always wonder if it's like, especespecially when it's sort of one of these cultural touchstone movies, like like The Princess Bride. If it is something like. You just don't watch a lot of movies, or if it's just like you never, never ended up watching it. Um, so it's just kind of the latter. You never ended up watching it. And that, all right. Well, that's yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Um, so really briefly, we'll do a couple of non-spoilerish things for The Princess Bride. One of the things we don't do uh, is confirm or deny anything that you've just said about what you know about the movie. We'll mm-hmm. wait and see if you're right or wrong. I know. No indicators. You guys I, I will, I will say... We've done this over 100 times. We're used to it. <laughs> I, I will say that you will get the uh, Once Upon a Deadpool trailer. You'll get the joke a lot better after this. If, if you've, you've seen, seen that the trailer. trailer. <laughs> which, which I she, am not. It, nope. it involves French Savage. 
Okay. 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 See, now you're giving away something. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. She's so, going to watch the movie in like five minutes. It's true. <laughs> um, this and movie. It's not like a spoiler. He's in the first scene. <laughs> All right, fine. Fine. <laughs> yes, we can confirm Fred Savage is in the movie. Okay. Okay. I feel I feel like we might have ruined the whole thing, but no, we have not. <laughs> okay, um, I don't know what else we want to say. Is there any anything else that you think we need to do? I mean, it's a Rob Reiner film. We just watched This Is Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. also directed by Rob Reiner, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's it's nineteen eighty seven. It was it, it's a I'll, I will confirm it. It's a fantasy. It's sort of a fantasy movie. Fantasy it's kind of a movie. kind of a meta movie. It is based on a book. Uh, we'll get into that after after the movie, and uh, it's it's a very sweet, fun tale, and very enjoyable. That's all right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, dear listeners, if you if you have also missed out on the Princess Bride somehow, please do watch it. It's very entertaining and, and charming. And if you have watched it and you want to hear what we have to say about it, we will be back. Through the magic of podcasting in mere seconds. Watch it again. Dun dun dun. My love is like a storybook story, but it's as real as the feelings I feel. My love is like a storybook story, but it's as real as the feelings I feel. It's as real as the feelings I feel. And we are back. Many people have dueled left-handed. Many eels have shrieked. And we have watched The Princess Bride. Well, I mean, and I, 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 Bliss and I have watched it for, I don't know, the umpteenth many times. But <laughs> Megan, you watched it for the first time. I amazing. Did. That's amazing. Yes. We found somebody and it's you. So the first thing we have to do before we go on to talk about anything more about the movie, what did you think of The Princess Bride? I think that if you go in there knowing that it's not to be taken seriously, then it's good. Mm -hmm. But if you were trying to be like, this is like a legit, this is something that's going to happen, you know, like, obviously, that's Mm -hmm. not, you Mm -hmm. know. And I didn't know that they were going to say that line so many times. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you get to that last scene. That last scene. Over and over and over. Stop (laughs) saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, and it's definitely a comedy. Uh, And we'll talk a little bit about the book, too, in a little bit. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it... uh, it certainly should not be taken seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own story about this movie uh, because I've met one of the actors, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Ooh. We'll get to that later Ooh. because because it's a fun little inside story. About, I want to know who you met. Oh, it's it's. I don't even remember the name of the actor I met. That's how terrible. Oh God. Uh, because it was it, anyway. Anyway, we'll get to that. Tim, work well, me up. All right, like fine. This. I'll tell it now. Okay. okay. Fine. Yes. Yeah. So, don't you delete you know, it with that you know, and say we'll when, get to it later. When Buttercup is having the nightmare, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's the the old lady who's going boo. Oh yeah. But that's who I met. Ah, I met I that's met amazing. The, I met that old lady who goes boo. You're nothing but a bunch of refuse, filth, garbage. Um, when I was in uh, college, when I was in uh, when I when I went on a semester in England, and one of the things that that happened, it was a theater in England tour, and so the the professor had us meet with several um, actors. From England, uh, and and it <laughs> was all England. it was all women because okay. uh, there are way more roles for men than there are for women. So the women weren't in rehearsal, and the men all were. So it was all women. <laughs> uh, this is a 
issue with theater uh, even to this day. But anyway, so one of them was the woman who played that character. Okay. And the story that she told us about the Princess Bride was that uh, she couldn't remember to say refuse. She kept saying refuge. So, <laughs> oh no! They, were, they kept having to retake the scene because she'd keep going. You're nothing but a bunch of refuge. And Rob Ryan would be caught, caught. No, it's refuse. So that's my that's my uh, claim to okay. fame. Okay. About awesome. this movie is that I met the lady who said you were nothing but a bunch of refuse, and what she actually <laughs> said many times over was refuge. Um, they could so, just tell her to say garbage. <laughs> garbage. Well, geez, she does at some point, doesn't I know, she? I know she does. She yeah. says garbage and filth and refuse. And boo. And, boo. <laughs> um, and she was a charming lady uh, who to- had a lot to ta- say about theater in England at the time. And uh, I seem to recall that nobody who was meeting with her cared about anything except the princess. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were terrible people. <laughs> but hey, when you you're know. in the princess bride, you know. Yeah. And, everybody knows and, and, and this was just a couple of years, couple, three, four years after the movie oh, came yeah. out. So oh. it was still pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Hot commodity. And, and, you know, it was the home video era, early in the home video era. So everybody had, you know, that movie. Because... Mm-hmm. That was one of the first ones you went out and bought. Yeah, I feel like the the fame of Princess Bride is built on the home video market because I remember it being on on uh, cable <coughs> the cable movie channels all the time, and you know it was a frequent renter on the at the video store. I don't actually remember people actually going to see it in the theater. I think it was mostly it found its fame after the first run. So isn't that like yeah. true of most cult? Films, though, yeah, or? kind, kind. Well, not necessarily. Some, some were, you know, big out of the gate. But this was. I mean, when you watch the movie, it, one of the things that always strikes me about the movie is the tone of it. Because usually, when you get into like a fantasy movie or a period movie, it's all about the opulence. It's all about the, the, the special effects and the the sets and the you know all the trappings. And this this movie is so almost quiet and reserved in that manner. Like, you know, they're on a big boat, but all you see is like a corner of the boat. And, uh, you know, they're at a castle. You see, you know, because they're you know, hiding behind the, the crenellations, but, you know, you don't see That's big, see. glitzy, you know, aerial view of the castle. There's no fancy special effects. There's no fancy makeup except for Billy Crystal. And, and Most everybody's got yeah. dirt on their face. Yeah. So it's, and, and it's not a big sweeping orchestral score. It's a very simple score with, you know, backed by synth done by Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. it's like a guy with a guitar and a synthesizer and that's pretty much it. Wow. So it's, it's just a simple, relatively low budget, um, really kind of atypical for a fantasy movie. And so it's very much about the interplay between the characters and, and who the characters are. And, and so I don't remember exactly where I was leading with this, but, (laughs) but yeah, it is about the interplay and the, and the comedy and, um, just kind of how charming it is or meant to be. Well, I think, you know, 87, if I remember correctly, 87 is when this movie came out. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is pre-heavy special, like, CGI special effects. Not, you know, well, yeah, CGI, I mean, but, I mean, in 
I mean, in the early 80s, you had this huge spate of fantasy movies, sword and sandals style. You know, you had like Dragon Slayer, which, you know, huge budgets for special effects and sets. And and so a lot of fantasy movies were uh, a big excuse to pull out the big guns for special effects at the time. Even though you didn't have CGI, you could, you know, pull out all of your, your puppeteers and your makeup artists and do some really amazing stuff with compositing. Mm-hmm. And this is um, also coming pretty, you know, kind of on the, the, the waning end of the 80s. But but in the early and mid-80s, there were so many big budget Hollywood, super polished you know, sci-fi, fantasy, and other types of genre films where something like this really was an anomaly. So it's... Um, which is probably part of its charm, you know, just mm. kind of this cute little story, well, it's, <laughs> you know. It's more focused on the characters. Yeah, instead yeah, totally. Of the, instead of the dragons, mm-hmm. I guess, is, you know, there aren't any dragons. There aren't any. Maybe, maybe that's why. Well, there's a shrieking eel. There's a shrieking eel and there's an R-O-U-S. Yeah, uh, which was a, a little person in a suit. He got drunk the night before, and uh, he was late to set because he was put in jail <laughs> overnight. <laughs> he tried to explain to the cop, no, I have a job in the morning playing a rat. <laughs> so they kept him in jail overnight. Yeah, that probably didn't help, did it? No. No. <laughs> no. And, uh, you know, uh, it's the... With with movies like this, the cast really makes a very big difference. Yeah, and I mean, there are, there are some people that that were very well established at the time, but in interesting character roles. You know, Andre the Giant was oh not God, known yes. as an actor, <laughs> and of and course before he's this, Orson's, <laughs> and he's this gigantic you know professional wrestler, and that's what he's known for. And he shows up in this movie, and he's simply adorable. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and and I, I guess that is the, the personality he displays in this film was far more like the personality of the man than than his wrestling persona oh, yeah. ever was, that he was just a great big teddy bear. Yeah, all stories – well, this is one of those movies where you can kind of tell they had a, just a blast making it. You could kind of tell like everybody got along on set and all that. And um, – Andre, all the stories about Andre the Giant being on set, everybody just adored him because he was apparently just this sweet seven foot tall teddy bear. Honestly, (laughs) he he had this. He's from France, and or I I should say was from France. He is. uh, uh, He died a few years after this yeah, movie was he, made. He, But he he was from France, had a very thick French accent, and he was very. Nervous about taking the role because William Goldman, the author of the book and the guy who uh, also did the screenplay for the movie, saw him on television once. He went, oh, my God, that's Fezzik. That, that's the guy. That's the guy. Like other people had tried out for the role and they like Liam Neeson tried out for the role and they told him, no, you're too short. He's like six foot three. But anyway, they, that's the guy. And so they brought in Andre the Giant and he's like, I don't. I don't think I can do this. I because he had had this thick accent, he had no real acting ability or training, and so um, I think it was William Goldman and and one of the production managers or something like that. They made tapes for him, and he would sit on a Walkman and listen to his lines in English in between takes to learn his lines phonetically. And he worked very very hard at it, and he called everybody boss, trying to you know 
because he was used to everybody just being intimidated by him because he's seven feet tall and 520 pounds. But he would just very much defer to everybody who was around him and was very, very sweet. And uh, like uh, Robin Wright, who played Princess, <coughs> Princess Buttercup, um, she'd get very, very cold sitting around in between takes. And he would just take his hand and put it on top of her head, which would like engulf her entire head like a hat to to warm her up and so it was like just <laughs> just this enormous man but yeah he uh, his he had a really fascinating story he was uh born in france like i said and uh uh he had acromegaly um which means his pituitary gland overproduced uh, growth hormone and never stopped. So by 12 years old, he was like six foot four and uh, over 200 pounds. And he was, he left school at age 14 because he figured, you know, he'd just be a farm laborer all of his life. And, or, you know, he'd started moving furniture and, and stuff like that. He left school. But eventually he was working out in a gym and some pro wrestlers spotted him and they said, dude do we have a profession for you and so they took him in as one of their own and he was raised by professional wrestlers and became andre the giant and became a major wrestling star in the 80s yeah so um yeah he he made it to uh his his health wasn't too great when he was working on this movie he couldn't lift anything um yeah, I mean, yeah. people that size often have back issues. And yeah, he had he, them. He had them quite severely. Yeah, uh, and, most of his life, I understand. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so he couldn't lift anything, and you know, um, they had to be kind of careful about his health. But he, uh, yeah, he lasted for like another sixty year, six years, and uh, until nineteen ninety three, and he passed away. Uh, at age forty-seven, so wow. very sadly, but yeah, but well, every, you know, everybody thought of him very fondly. There's our tragic death for this. There, movie. There's our tragic death. Yeah, yeah. You haven't you haven't been been with the podcast more than now, Megan. So you don't understand tragic deaths Tra- are kind of one of yeah. our themes. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. There are Somebody's a lot of them. Somebody's got to die tragically. <laughs> yeah, there's there's usually a tragic death. If you dig deep enough, you can always find one. That's what we <laughs> that's what we've discovered. He, he died when going back to France for his father's funeral. See, oh, <laughs> tragic. Yeah. Tragic. Yes. super yeah. tragic totally tragic super tragic uh, I mean you've got Andre the Giant mm-hmm. you've got Mandy Patinkin who up to this point had been much more of a Broadway star yeah uh, well known um, a for, major Broadway star yeah, huge he was yeah. huge he he originated the role of George in Sunday in the Park with George yeah. Shay in Evita I mean he yeah. was he, he won was, a Tony for he, he won, I think he won one or two Tonys yeah he, he, he was he was the big male lead tenor male lead mm-hmm. on Broadway in the mid 80s. He's an amazing voice. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great singer. Uh, so yeah, he was the uh, 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 now I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Inigo Montoya. Prepare yeah. to die. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and from there he went on Huge. to uh, star in a lot of television. Uh-huh. Uh, he still works. He's yeah. still working. Oh yeah, he's still around. Um, and uh, but uh, he does. He did say that this is his favorite movie. Oh yeah. Um, and him and Carrie Elwes, Carrie Elwes really had not done much before this movie. I mean, he'd been around, but this is really his first starring role. Mm-hmm. They actually worked uh, extremely hard on that sword fight. Oh yeah, they were uh, uh, they were trained sure. by 
I want to say his name is Ben Anderson. He did all the fight choreography for Star Wars, among other things. And he was trained by one of the last great sword masters of Europe, uh, you know, legendary sword trainer. But yeah, they, they worked for months on that sword fight. It shows. It's, it. it's yeah. nice to see, like we said, no CGI. Yeah. So you know that this is like as many or as few takes as possible, you know, and just doing it and mm-hmm. just doing it over and over. Right, and yeah, both like actors, stage. both actors really didn't have any stand-ins. So pretty much, right. even like long shots where you're thinking they they doubled in stunt actors, they did not. Nope. It was it, it was, was them. It was them. Really, just the, the a couple of gymnastics moves were where they had they had stunt actors. Um, and the thing that I thought was interesting about it is you, um, the original duel that they had they had planned was about a minute long, mm-hmm. and Rob Reiner, the director, was like, "No, it's too short." And so <laughs> they so had, they, to, they work had out to work out work out work out enough to make the whole thing three minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, so three times we ended up three times as long. Yeah, uh, but I, it's it's a really amazing fight. And you think about that; these two actors are fighting with their left hands. Yes, for about half <laughs> of the duel. Yes, and neither one of them are left-handed. <laughs> um, and then, although then, I love that turnabout, and they. <laughs> I'm not left-handed either. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I, I, I'm, Melissa and I both do some trivia research. She does way more than I do. But uh, the the thing that I thought was interesting is if you watch that scene, um, you can see that Inigo tips off uh, Wesley because when he's talking, he gestures with his right hand. Right. It's his dominant hand. He wears his scabbard on his left, which is the side that it would be on if you drew your sword mm-hmm. with your right hand. Whereas Wesley does everything with his left hand and he wears his scabbard on his right. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't ever tip his hand. Literally, yeah. That he's that he's <laughs> lying. So he probably does that entire fight, aware that an ego is right-handed, mm-hmm. and he's just waiting. Yeah. Until that moment when it's like, oh well. <laughs> it's like, am I good enough to beat him with my left hand? Because if I'm good enough to beat him with my left hand, then I'm good enough to beat him with my right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's see what other actors. I mean, Carrie Elwes. Oh God! Everybody in this movie is famous. Yeah. Um, Robin Wright is the one who have, probably has the most successful career now, right now because she was. Uh, is it Antiope in in Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. The the general mm-hmm. in Wonder Woman. She has been in House of Cards recently. She is the lead in House of Cards. She is a lead in House of Cards. Yeah, but has and, been in House of Cards for the last seven seasons. Yeah, and. Uh, Goodness, she she was just recently in a very, very weird sci-fi film called The Congress, which I highly recommend, but it's very bizarre. Um, she was in Blade Runner 2049 within the last couple of years. Yeah, she's been, her career's just been rocking right now. And yeah. she is an awesome actress. Um, this was very early in her career. And um, uh, she started out as a model at like age 14 and then became an opera, or not an opera, soap opera star. And Santa, uh, Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. and then she was cast in this, and that was pretty much. It's not because the path I watched Santa Barbara. I'm just saying. You just not, remember. It I'm was not Santa trying Barbara. to pretend that I didn't watch soap operas. I watched <laughs> Days of Our Lives. Okay, so <laughs> I'm not judging you, Tim. I, <laughs> I never watched Santa Barbara, but 
She she did make the unusual move of marrying Sean Penn at one she point. She did, which is which is something you should never do. Just saying. Is she still Robin Wright Penn now, or is no. she just Robin Wright? No, they they I think they finally divorced in like 2010. Oh, I know they divorced. I couldn't remember whether she had changed her name back. No, or... I'm pretty sure it's yeah, back I think to the right. way it was, um, as it should be. <laughs> And she's got a tough role. I mean, you know, this is an 80s film. Yeah. Uh, and one thing about 80s films is there usually are a heck of a lot more guys than there are women. Uh, and yeah. And so she's pretty much the only woman. In... Except for Carol Kane, who's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, she is. Carol Kane's amazing. But Carol Kane gets like two minutes on screen. Yeah, but she's great. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got to carry it with all these other wackadoodle characters, you uh-huh. know, like when... When they're on the ship and and Fizzini and and Fessig and Inigo are all just wackadoodles, mm-hmm. and she's got to be the center, the straight sort of the straight person. Yeah, she she's a straight man Always. in the mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's a tough situation. It is to be in, especially when you, you she's the title character for goodness sake. Yeah, <laughs> it's her freaking movie. <laughs> She doesn't get any good lines. No, except when he's like, "Why didn't you wait for me?" and she's like, "Well." You were dead, <laughs> which is I, well, I think yeah. that's a fair it, as excuses go. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, totally. that's that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense to that's, me. I would, I would, I, I love my wife a lot, but if she was dead, I probably would not just wait around for her at that point. <laughs> if you were, I'd be concerned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's unhealthy, really, to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't don't go all Norman Bates on us, man. <laughs> <laughs> but she also didn't get any cool fight scenes, though. No, no. she did not. And she that's, should. that's what showed its its age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like the the rodent scene. Yeah. yeah, I wanted her to pick up the stick a lot, or the log, whatever yeah. giant branch, a lot sooner than she did. And I wanted her to do it a lot more than what she did. Yeah, she oh, got yeah. the rodent off of her dress mm-hmm. and then threw it down. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, no. Like she could have saved him so much earlier. Like. She yeah, I would have liked this to have seen her pick up. And I think if they made that movie now, uh-huh. she would probably have picked up the sword and killed the rodent. Oh, she I mean, would have to. I mean, good yeah. lord, she yeah. used to be. She used to live on a farm. Yeah, she was a farm girl. She didn't she yeah. know this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and and that that is that is where a little bit of the age shows. Now that yeah. is a little bit of the source material as well. Yeah, um, and I think one of the the really interesting things about this movie. Um, you know, there's always changes from source material to film. Mm-hmm. It is amazing how little of the book is changed. In fact, the scenes with the grandfather and the kid are in the book. Oh. Yeah. It, it's like... Sort of. Sort of. I mean, you you watch but this... The, but the stuff that's the fairy tale is like dead, dead on, on. Like, like word for word like out the, of the, the book. Like the priest yeah. speaking, you know, going, Mowage. That's in the book. <laughs> it's in the book just like that. Which which is weird because they, ha- they have Peter Cook playing the... They bring in Peter Cook to <laughs> play the priest. And you'd think that's just something that Peter Cook would do. Which is, Mowage. Because that's that's what you hire Peter Cook to do is it's come a, up with uh, crazy stuff. Describe, I bet Peter Cook is somebody who's not familiar. I bet Megan yeah. has no idea who oh, Peter oh, Cook Peter, is. Peter Cook's a deep no. cut, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're familiar with Dudley Moore, the actor, uh, yes. yeah. Uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore did a whole bunch of British comedy in the 60s and 70s together. And um, P- uh, 
Peter Cook was a really remarkable improviser and did a lot of weird things. Like I have an entire album where it was him and this other guy. This other guy was pretending to be an interviewer and they just like let the microphone run and the the guy would prepare like during this fake interview, the interviewer would ask a question and Peter Cook just created this whole character out of just thin air. Like he was this uh, uh, explorer in India and it just reminds me when I was in the Punjab and I murdered a thousand elephants and, you know, just like 60 minutes of this. Anyway, um, yeah, just this really bizarre um, 1960s British comedian. His... Probably his most famous role was the original Bedazzled, which he also did with uh, Dudley Moore, uh, where he played Satan. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. And the, the amazing thing about Peter Cook is knowing Peter Cook and looking at that scene, you mm-hmm. would think that he came up with yeah. that bizarre delivery instead of that it came from the book. Yeah. Wow. But it does. Yeah, totally. It does come from the book. And, and the, what the book does... And where they and and when they were trying to adapt it, one of the hardest things was there's tons of bits in the book where basically the author comes out and does an aside because yeah. he's he's effectively telling the story of when his grandfather would read him this book. Oh. So that's where the grandfather and and the Fred Savage character come in the mm-hmm. uh, the 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 when when people were trying to make this movie, they couldn't figure out how to interject that because literally huge chunks of the story go away mm-hmm. because you'll be reading along and then the author will be like, and then this part my grandfather would always skip because he figured I wasn't very interested in it. And yeah. I only discovered later when I went back and read the book that there were five chapters on the political history of Gilder and Florent. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they couldn't figure out how to put that into the movie. And then, Yeah, it's, it's, it's this amazing meta book where... The author, William Goldman, is essentially talking as him, like has made himself a character as the narrator of the book. And he's weaving in this narration about about his life as well as being this guy who is doing all this research to make this new English translation of this famous book by another person. So the whole fairy tale part is supposedly written by S. Morgenstern. Uh, and it's, and, and he's, so he's flipping back and forth between him translating it and the actual fairy tale. And what's even more remarkable is if you get a, a copy of the book, Nowadays, there are a number of prefaces and forewords where, like, every few years, William Goldman writes another thing to lop onto the the start of the book. Like, there's a there's a forward, like, uh, where he's he he continues this meta narration, but also weaving in stuff that has actually happened since the publication of the book, including like one of the prefaces has a whole bunch of stories about him making the movie um, with all these fantastic actors um, there. But there's also like a forward about uh, getting into an argument with Stephen King that never actually happened, <laughs> but about translating S. Morgenstern's property properly and 
it is bonkers, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's and a great book. It's also interesting because there's this thing about the author's relationship with his grandfather. Yeah, and talking, and, and which which translates into the film. The the whole idea that this is this is you know like a bonding moment for this kid with his grandfather, and how his grandfather kind of understands. All right, well the kid's not going to get into this part, so I'm just going to skip it. I'm going to read him the parts that he really likes, and if he wants to hear this other stuff, I can get to it. later. Later. And and sort of learning later how his grandfather edited the book to help him like it better. Yeah. Um, and and you get that in the movie, even though it's not quite the same. But so much of it is almost identical. I mean, almost word for word. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the hello, you killed my father. Prepare to die. That's almost oh, all. Yeah. I mean, the, the line is in the book, but but almost the entire story. You know, but the only thing they don't do, which is a little bit frustrating because, you know, there is that moment in the movie where uh, where Fessig feel, fills Inigo in on on everything about about what's going on with Humperdinck and Buttercup and Wesley. And yeah. you're like, how does he know that? When did, right. yeah. when did, when did he find that out? And right. in the book, it actually does tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how that happened. There, also, the backstory of of um, uh, Inigo Montoya is interesting. You know, the story about his father and what happened to him. And, it's uh, a little more fleshed six, out. Yeah. And the Six Finger Man, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But there, the stuff that's missing is few and far between. It's it's pretty remarkable. It's really remarkable adaptation. But it's, it's really, well worth the read. Really recommended to read the book. It's a very funny book. As, I mean, oh, it's, it's hilarious. It's a funny movie. There are not a lot of books that I read that I laugh out loud when I'm reading. And mm-hmm. the Prince, Princess Bride was one of those books where there are a few times where the turn of phrase is just so clever mm-hmm. that you just kind of can't stop yourself from laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the movie, I, I laugh thinking about a lot of parts of the movie mm-hmm. just because I, I think like Carrie always in the end when he is still when he can't move mm-hmm. the physical comedy he does there is amazing you know like when he's whipping his shoulder to get his hand to flip on top of their, yes. <laughs> their, their hands or the way his head kind of flops around and i'm like that's uncomfortable yeah uh but he 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 sells it really really well um and the fact that he was so capable earlier in the movie actually sells it better later mm-hmm. um so you know there's a lot of there's a lot of really well done stuff, you know. Andre the Giant is is again really adorable, mm-hmm. and and kill sells that character. Yeah, and uh, then of course there's Billy Crystal and Carrie, Carol Kane who yeah, show up the, for Miracle Max and, and they show Valerie. up for five minutes and just are like, oh, our movie now. Yep, <laughs> yeah. all ours. Humpadink, humpadink, humpadink. I obviously wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, that kind of looks familiar. And then I heard the voice. I was like, oh, my God, it's Billy Crystal. Yeah. What? (laughs) Liar! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's like Billy Crystal at the height of his powers. Um, Because this is like dead center of the 80s when he was doing Saturday Night Live on the regular and City Slickers. And And a couple other movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you, Billy Crystal, one of the least likely leading men in the history of film. Yep. But he was so damn funny. Well, and, and then yeah. it was after this he did When Harry Met Sally, right? 
Yes. With the same director, Rob Reiner. That should be yeah. our next movie, really. Ooh, good call. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm. Mm. We hadn't decided yet. I had another idea, but now I'm thinking maybe we need to. Okay, well, we'll, we'll discuss this. Uh, <laughs> we got to decide before the episode's well, over. Well, we, we will. We will. We will. We will. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, both, both of them. I love them both. And Carol Kane, um, are you familiar with Carol Kane at all? No. Um, she was a bigger in the 80s. She's still working, but she was around a lot more in the 80s in more recognizable stuff. But she would, um, back on the uh, old comedy series Taxi, she played Simca across from uh, Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. And anybody who can hold a scene with Andy Kaufman <sighs> Jesus, yeah. in Taxi is impressive. Yeah. and But beyond that, she was also in Scrooge with Bill Murray. She was the um, Go Christmas-, Christmas past. Was it Christmas past or pre- Christmas present? Sorry, you're right. Christmas present. Because she, she hits present. Bill Murray with the toaster. Toaster. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taking you to Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but recently she's been on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, if I remember yes. right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. has been on, on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which yeah. just, just ended. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, she's still around. And then we've got Peter Falk as the grandma. Uh, grandma. Grandma. Grandpa. Remember, there are no women in this movie. I know, yeah. except for Buttercup. Yeah, all all women are Buttercup. <sighs> which and is Miracle which Max's is Max's wife, who doesn't even have a name. Yeah, Valerie. It's Valerie. It is Valerie. It is Valerie. Do they say it in the movie. Or? I don't know if they say it in the movie, but it's mm. Max and Valerie because that's the actual name of William Goldman's parents. Right. So they're named after his parents. Right. <laughs> but yes, there is Peter Falk. Peter Falk, Columbo, playing the grandpa. Um. He, yeah, we've lost him, what, five, seven, eight years ago now, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Relatively yeah, recently. Yeah, he, he, he lived quite a long time, but he, he yeah. had uh, Alzheimer's and, yeah. and passed away. Yeah. Glass um, eye and everything. Yes, yeah. he had a glass eye. Yeah, he, uh, at age three, cancer took his eye. And so all those years, he always had a fake eye and... Every once in a while, would use it to great effect. <laughs> I, if I remember it, there's a story about him that he was playing baseball once when he was a youth, and uh, the the umpire made a bad call. And he walked up to the umpire, and he's like, it just pops his eye out of his head, and just says, "I think you need one of these." <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, if I had a glass eye, I would be doing shit like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so we are getting near the end of our time, Melissa. Yeah. That means that I need you to tell us if there's any trivia that we have left out. Oh my God, there's so much. I know. Uh, I know. That's, okay. That's, so why, that's why it's the time when I'm like, Just super quick. Um, we, we turn on the Melissa trivia goggles. Okay. So we've got Fred Savage, uh, pre-Wonder Years. Not mm-hmm. by much, but pre-Wonder pre, pre Wonder Years. Um, and now, if you see the trailer for uh, Once Upon a Dead, Deadpool, it's a whole riff on the bedrooms. Like the bedroom is exactly the same as Fred Savage's in, in this movie. Okay. And and it's adult Fred Savage in the bedroom yelling at Deadpool, which is oh, you know, joyful. We should mention the bedroom in this movie. Are you gonna get to the the, the bit oh, about there's the hat? So, there's so much okay, the hat. The hat. Oh my god, the hat the hat was the from Marty DeBerge hat. Yeah, it was the Marty DeBerge hat. It was from uh, Spinal Tap. Yes. Yeah. The, the, and the, and, yeah. and it's one of the people who worked on the film, and I can't remember which one. That was it Mark Knopfler? I think it was Mark Knopfler. It might have been. Yeah. Uh, when when he went and asked Mark Knopfler to do the score, uh-huh. Mark Knopfler was like, Well, I'll do it as long as the hat 
that Rob Reiner wore in, in Spinal, Spinal Tap, Tap is, appeared in the film. <laughs> it's it this like, fantasy okay. film. And he's like, ah. So it's just hanging on a lamp in yep. the ki- in, in Fred Savage's bedroom yep. for the entire movie. <laughs> Which so, is amazing. <laughs> while you're looking that up, I do have to say that this movie, as much as I very much enjoy it, features my least favorite trend of the 80s. And I know we've mentioned it before. And that is the 80s synth track. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and even though Mark Knopfler's doing it, it's like, hmm. I, I do it, wish it had a little bit more if, if, fun if, score. It, if it had been Mark Knopfler playing guitar, you know, because mm-hmm. there are points where he's playing guitar and it's very nice, and a full orchestra playing the same music. Oh, yeah. I probably wouldn't mind it nearly as much. Mm-hmm. But you notice it when you're watching a fantasy film. And this happened with a lot of fantasy films. Like Lady Hawk is the same way. Well, Lady Hawk is full on Alan Parsons' yeah, project, Yeah, Lady Hawk is probably the worst. Of, yeah, it's like all, all I want for Lady Hawk is an orchestral score. That's all I want. <laughs> um, just, just not get rid did of you, the Did you know track. that Legend has an alternate uh, Jerry Goldsmith music track and you can find it on some of the DVDs? Yeah, but it's so boring even without the synth score. Well, yeah, well, you, well with Legend, you just... I don't know. You just sit and look at the pretty thing. Yeah, I feel like Legend is something you have playing in the background is kind of an art piece. Well, yeah, that's, um, that, that's what Legend is, really. Okay, fine. <laughs> anyway. 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 Um, we've got Walshawn. we got to mention oh, Walshawn. we mention Walshawn. Because we still have Walshawn, uh, the guy who played Vizzini, the Sicilian. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. I don't think that's... What do you think it means? <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's Rex in Toy Story, the the green dinosaur, yes. yep. and no. uh, he was uh, voice in The Incredibles and you know, lots of cartoon he's in, voices. And he's in My Dinner with Andre. My Dinner with Andre. We definitely need to do My Dinner oh my with Andre God, at some do. point. I uh, the first time I ever saw it, I got I got drunk and it was the most hysterical thing in the world. <laughs> anyway, um, he didn't start acting until he was thirty six. Which is kind of amazing. You, I, I mean, most of these people, when uh, when you look up their histories online, it's like went to acting school or did this thing, you know, just out of college and then got into acting. No, Wallace Shawn is like thirty six years old. Eh, time to start an acting career. What? The All hell? right, <laughs> here we go. Apparently, he caught wind that he was like the second choice for Vizzini, and it made him super nervous on yes. set the whole time. He was super. He was super. Like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to screw this up. They yeah. wanted somebody else instead of me. And uh, I guess, like, round about the time they shot his last scene, mm-hmm. Rob Reiner's like, uh, no. Every time I read the book, it was your voice in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so. It was like there was. He was never the second choice. He was always the yeah. first choice for that role. Yeah. You know, the first choice was for Andre the Giant, though. For oh, they were going to. They were talking to Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, yes. back yes. in the '70s. Yeah, because th- this this script or, or options for the script floated around Hollywood for over a decade, and it was declared unfilmable. So it um, the the book came out in what early '70s? Yes. And he so, says like he knows. Uh, William <laughs> Goldman, the guy who wrote the book, is a famous screenwriter as well. So he he wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and All the President's Men. He a marathon man, uh, the original Stepford Wives, all this stuff. And so, um, the the script was optioned, and he sold the rights to 
you know, uh, for the movie and it floated around Hollywood and and nobody could figure out how to do it. And eventually it just wound up in so much development hell that he bought the rights back himself and wrote the script himself. And then eventually it finally went into production. But yeah, they were talking to early Schwarzenegger back in the 70s trying to get a project together. And it's like... Which, Boy, that would have been a different movie. It would have been a different, especially when you'd realize that Schwarzenegger's a short man. Yeah. He's not. He's compact. He, yeah, he's he's small but powerful. Um, you know, it's funny. You're like, well, well, why didn't William Goldman, just, why didn't they go to William Goldman after they optioned it and say, how'd you like to write the script? It sounds like that's what they needed. They're all like, yeah. wow, we can't have the guy. Really. I mean, I mean, yes, he's written other screenplays. I think he won an Oscar for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Or yeah, something. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. He's got a, yeah. at least one Oscar. Yeah. And, and they don't go, well, I guess maybe we should just have him write the screenplay. And, and we should mention he just passed away in, he November, did. in like, November. Yeah. Oh, November 16th, he passed away. So. Yeah. The sequel is so, never going to happen. Never. No, no. Sequel. Although, although in the book, <laughs> if you buy recent uh, copies of the book, he did uh, part of the meta narrative is that he <laughs> he starts writing the sequel. Yeah, uh, he starts translating the sequel book that S. Morgenstern, and so there's like the first chapter of of Buttercup's Baby at the end of of the Princess Bride. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Anything else before final thoughts? Oh, God. What else? What else? What else? Oh, no, um, no, 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 no. Um, 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 Christopher Guest is an actual baron. I think we mentioned that. It is true. Yes, he is. <laughs> not a he count. Played, he's not a count. He's, he's a baron. A baron. Um, still married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Still ma- God damn it. Yeah, he is. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, the, the guy who played the albino <laughs> has never watched the movie because they made him wear these red contacts for because he's albino in the movie, and apparently he had a horrible allergic reaction to the contacts, and it was so painful and unpleasant for him that he has never been able to watch the movie because of that, which is sad. That painful it, memories. Yeah, painful memories. Not because he has to wear content, those contacts to watch the movie. Yeah. That would be weird. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, William Goldman was on set for a few days, and he blew one of the takes. Because... <laughs> Okay, so you, we were talking about the fire swamp, right? And and there's the point when uh, Buttercup's dress catches on fire. <laughs> and and he saw the setup for the scene. He knew. He wrote the damn book. He wrote the screenplay. He knows the dress is going to catch on fire. He's seen all the setup for it. Her dress catches on fire and he goes, oh, my God, her dress is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and Grandma's, cut, 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 cut. God damn it. <laughs> Oops. Oh, oh dear. Oopsie. Um, also, also unintentional stuff. Um, if you go back and watch the Miracle Max scene again, everybody who's in the room with Billy Crystal and Carol Kane are almost dying of laughter. And you can see them just like starting to do the twitch of like, apparently, you know, being around Billy Crystal. Yeah, and I'm at, not sure how many of the lines were written. I mean, again, there, there, there's there, a lot of Billy Crystal. There, there's in that, a lot that was that was in the original book, but there's a lot of Miracle Max that's just Billy Crystal and Carol Kane. Yeah, um, because when you put the two of them together, it's like you do the voodoo that you do. Go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would love to see the outtakes of that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Probably mostly outtakes of the other actors just laughing too hard to not be mm-hmm. able to. 
It did, didn't Rob Reiner like laugh too hard? Oh God, that? yes, yeah. He ruined a couple he, of takes. Yeah, or... he ruined a couple of takes just by laughing. Like he'd have to leave the set because he'd laugh so hard he was actually what? nauseous. And, and <laughs> Mandy Patinkin bruised a rib holding yes. in laughter. Yes, that the only time he was injured in the entire production mm-hmm. was trying not to laugh at oh, Billy Crystal. Wow. <laughs> Although Carrie Elwes broke a toe. Because, because uh, <laughs> okay, they had an ATV for uh, getting Andre the Giant around. <laughs> so oh, yeah. uh, Andre the Giant would constantly try and get other people to drive the ATV, drive him around in the ATV vehicle. And so Carrie Ellis agreed one day, and then they were in this accident in the ATV. So they rolled the thing, and uh, Carrie Ellis broke a toe, and he was super embarrassed about it. <laughs> And there are a couple of scenes where you can see him limp a little bit, yeah. although although he hides it pretty well. Um, so oh oh, he got also got injured because uh, when he gets hit by Count Rugen, oh, yeah, I read he that. told uh, Christopher Guest to hit him for real, and he did. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> they had to stop filming for the day. He had, he to, had go to go to the hospital. hospital. <laughs> wow. Yes, because he was a dummy. Yeah big, yeah, don't, big dumb man. Don't yeah hmm. mm. yeah don't do that. Um, Carrie Elwes and Robin Wright were really kind of smitten with each other during oh. filming, so they kept asking for retakes on the kissing scenes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just it just sounded like the most fun set. It's like, oh, it sounds so much fun. It even does. even the the rats are getting out drunk at night and getting in jail. It's great. Yeah, get those rats <laughs> drunk. Drunk R U S R O U S S. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think right. I think, you think that's, that's probably the, okay. that's probably enough. So we gotta I got, go to final, I got a lot. We yeah. got to go to final thoughts. Mm-hmm. So Megan, we give you the opportunity for a final thought Jeez. on the Princess Bride, and I'm just talking while you're thinking. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> no problem that. at all. Yeah. Uh, no, you know it's it's good. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's something that I have to watch every day. Right. Fair, fair. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing it again. Now, hearing all these fun stories and see if I can pick up on some of that, mm-hmm. like the broken toe, limping and stuff would be kind of fun. I mean, that's just yeah. fun in general. It is, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know that I missed out on a ton. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's no, But as fine. far as fantasies go, it's, it's really good. I'm just not... Much into fantasy. No, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Fortunately, there's not a lot of it, so you don't have to worry about it too much. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my final thought is just that uh, in every time I've watched this movie, I still can't figure out why Wesley says he doesn't believe RUSs exist when yeah. he's just seen one. I still can't figure. I mean, he sees <laughs> one. Is he trying to make her feel better? Does he I think, think so. that? The, I mean, if there's one right there, doesn't he think they're going to run into one at some point? Does he really think that that's the only time the ROUSs are going to show up? I'm not. Well, sure. maybe maybe he figured the guy was still in jail after the night of drinking. Maybe. <laughs> maybe he was just like, ah, we don't have to worry about RUSs because they're drunk. <laughs> they're they're in the, they're in the drunk tank at the local police station. <laughs> All right, Melissa. Final thought on the Princess Bride. Um, I got a couple of them that okay. Okay, just first one. When Andre the Giant was a child, his next door neighbor was Samuel Beckett, the guy who wrote "Waiting for Godot." And <laughs> Samuel Beckett used to drive him to school. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Also, um, we had just watched Spinal Tap with Christopher Guest, and Christopher Guest in this movie has is the Six Finger Man, which means he has eleven fingers. 
His fingers go to 11. Oh. Oh, my God, Tim. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And that's our final thought. Now, up next... Uh, I originally thought we were probably going to do Frankenstein because we got to go back to watch Frankenstein mm, after we did eventually, Frankenstein. Yeah. But we also got When Harry Met Sally. As we were talking about Peter Falk, I think, didn't we do The Great Race? No, we didn't do The Great All Race. All right, so it's going to be something, either, something. either <laughs> Frankenstein, When Harry Met Sally, or The Great Race. <laughs> okay. All uh, right. And we don't know which. So <laughs> if, if you're like following along at home, it could be any of those three. It'll be a surprise. We'll figure it out before the end of the night. We just didn't figure it out before it, the It end might of the be podcast. a fourth thing that we didn't mention. It Who could knows? Be a, ooh. Oh. Well, it's not going to be time for the Best Picture Oscar it, winner yet. It could be my dinner with Andre. <laughs> or it could be my dinner <laughs> with Andre. All right. All right, fine. Thank you for listening. Uh, and Megan, thank you so much for joining thank us and you. watching The Princess Bride. We really appreciate it. And good night. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.